It was ugly. It was ineffective. And most importantly, it was another loss for Ohio State basketball. But why is there a bright side? I'm going to tell you why. It's still not really reason to panic over the OSU hoops team. That coming up today on Locked on Buckeyes. Also, a little bit of XFL. The X is supposed to stand for extreme. It's not extreme, but it is different. My thoughts and observations about the league as a whole, and also former Buckeye making good. Cardell Jones, possible XFL MVP for 2020. We'll talk about that coming up on Locked on Buckeyes as well. Your daily Ohio State football and basketball podcast. Be sure to find and follow the show and tell a friend in the process. We're on all of your favorite podcasting platforms, Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or simply say, play Lock on Buckeyes on your smart speakers. Follow me on Twitter at KYLAM8. Follow the show at Locked on Buckeye. We'll be back in just a moment to talk some Ohio State basketball. Ohio State basketball loses 70-57 Sunday afternoon at Wisconsin. We all know this. We're going to discuss this here in a minute. But before I do, I'm going to take the long way around and getting there. It's, it's the opposite of the detour. We're taking the scenic route, okay? It, it'll be a little bit longer journey. We will get there eventually. But I want to tie something in first, and, and this is going to make sense after I get through it. So hopefully you'll appreciate the perspective and the story and some of the details and kind of be behind the scenes look at, at some things and how they happen, specifically having to do with Vegas and, and gambling and uh, trying to predict and project games and results. But it, this is going to tie in because I know some of you, you take exception. Some of you take exception to my worldview, my perspective. When I say that Ohio State's basketball, Ohio State's offense in basketball has been okay. And I'm not saying it's, it's great. Okay. I, I'm not saying that there aren't issues Certainly when you turn on the television or your your live streams, however you're watching Ohio State basketball, it's not always aesthetically pleasing. Sunday was was ugly at times, downright ugly. And Ohio State's kind of going through the roller coaster ride now. They're going through the ups and downs. But there are a lot of mitigating circumstances that we need to discuss. So I'm gonna get the I'm gonna get there. We're gonna talk about that. But I really want you to hear me out why I say things aren't as bad as they seem. So I've, I've made reference before to having a friend that is kind of a big deal, a sharp in Vegas terms, okay? He is one of those guys that, if you pardon my expression, can move a line by himself. And basically what that means is he is a flagged account, okay? In Vegas, a flagged account is a sharp that puts puts money down on a game or whether it's a side, which is basically picking, you know, if it's a minus three and a half spread, they're picking one side or the other to cover the three and a half or it's totals, which is the over under, you know, how many points are going to be scored between the two teams. Okay. But between the sides and totals, this is a guy that is a flagged account. So a Vegas handicapper is going to watch flagged accounts to see activity they're doing on certain games which basically means if somebody is dropping $20,000, whatever the max bet is at that casino or book, if somebody is dropping a lot of money on this game, that's going to take, that, that's going to make the handicappers take notice, okay? If they see that kind of money, then they're going to look at this person's track record. And if you're a flagged account, it means you have a very successful track record. So I have this friend and, and he doesn't like having 
uh, notoriety. He, he wants his anonymity. So I'm not going to narrow it down. And I'm not sure that any of you people would know who this is, even if I told you his name. Um, he's a very obscure person. There's a outside possibility. A few of you may have heard his name before if you're into certain things. And I'm, again, I'm not going to narrow it down. Okay. But he's not a Buckeye fan. He grew up a fan of a different team. Um, he actually graduated his undergrad from a different institution that's in the same league of his favorite team. Okay, that's that's as much as I'm going to narrow it down. I know that doesn't matter really. But the point is, he's he's a big-time Vegas Sharp. And when I say big-time, I mean we're talking about a guy who makes a six-figure living just off of betting college sports and, and pro sports. This is a guy who who actually makes a really good living just as a gambler. He has some side projects he does, but he does very, very well for himself. And I've been doing research for his uh, for his career, uh, we'll say, we'll call it that, for the, for the last 10 plus years. And when I say research, I mean, he pays me, uh, I'm not going to be shy about this, fairly handsomely to do uh, analytics for him, okay, to do research in various products. We've, we've done home court advantage in college basketball and college football. We've done a lot of different things. And, and when I say uh, home court advantage, I mean, I, I've done regression and correlation on uh, the effect of travel, uh, you know, how many points, uh, time zones are worth as, t- as far as time zone difference, elevation, stuff like that, okay? Pretty serious stuff. And what this does for him is it can appr- improve his margin of error and his standard deviation even by a couple of percent, which can improve his success rate by a couple of percent. And that's a pretty big deal because we're talking about somebody that bets uh, his average college basketball bet during the season is $17,000. He does about 50 games total between sides and totals. 17000 per game on average. And there are college football games where he does about 40 sides and totals of about $20,000 on average. So this guy is pretty big time. Uh, his success rate is uh, right in the, I think, 55 56% range, which is pretty incredible for sides and, and totals. And that's why he makes a lot of money, especially the the amount that he puts down. But the funny thing about this is that he does not watch college basketball. He does not watch college football. It's not that he doesn't enjoy the sports, but he has told me many times he doesn't watch games because it hurts his success. He tells me that if you watch college basketball or college football, you get A, too invested emotionally and you start thinking irrationally because your your mind actually plays tricks on you. You see things and you you form these conclusions in your mind based on what you're seeing, but your mind cannot process the data. You can only pick out certain plays that support your position, but your mind is not actually seeing every single play and it's not uh, it's not taking all the data into account. So he says he does not watch a lot of college basketball or college football on purpose. Because he doesn't, he thinks it hurts his own success. He likes to stick to the numbers. So when I see people tell me that they don't care what the stats say, well, I'm trying not to be snobby, but but the stats matter. The analytics especially matter. Stats are not the same as analytics. Analytics stats are just a measure of what happens in a basketball game or football game. Analytics tell a different story. They add the context of what the stats are telling you. They dig deeper. They, they take into account competition, where the game is played, when the game is played. They take in additional layers 
of the statistics themselves. So when I form impressions off of Ohio State, I'm not being biased. I'm, it's actually the opposite. I am being analytical. And I'm telling you, when I watch Ohio State, yes, it's rough seeing Ohio State at times when you see the, the missed shots, the lazy passes, the turnovers. All of those things are legitimate issues that coaches are seeing and coaches are trying to improve Ohio State, okay? I'm not trying to discredit any of those observations. When you, when you see those things with Ohio State, the offense has room for improvement. It is not a great offense right now. But what I am telling you is the analytics are looking at every single play. They're looking at every single game. And they're telling you there is not a major issue with Ohio State's offense right now. Actually, the biggest difference from what Ohio State we saw back in November and early December to the Ohio State we're seeing now, it's not the offense, it is the defense. Against Wisconsin specifically, in the first half, the offense and defense were equally bad. Okay, the offense was terrible. They had five offensive fouls resulting in turnovers. They had, a, a, I think, three or four additional turnovers on top of that. They weren't making three-pointers. They were bothered by the physicality of Wisconsin, and that's a big issue for the Big Ten as a whole that I'm going to get into in a minute because I think that's part of what we're seeing with Ohio State, and it's not just Ohio State. Ask any Wisconsin fan, okay? I did the crossover this past week with Asher Lowe, and Badger fans are feeling it the same way with Ohio State. They're frustrated with their offense, with the inconsistency. And Wisconsin's offense has statistically been worse than Ohio State. But every fan base almost in the Big Ten has been unhappy with the offense. And that's because and it's a league-wide issue resulting in the physicality. And this physicality in the Wisconsin game affected Ohio State a lot. It did against... Michigan, but they fought through it against Michigan. They didn't have the turnovers. This time around, it hurt them. But in the second half, they actually had good offense. The defense was the problem. And if you don't believe me, the adjusted defensive efficiency, taking into account points per possession, adjusting it for the competition, in this case, Wisconsin, it was their second worst defensive performance of the entire year, giving up 115 points per 100 possessions. The problem here is not the offense. Believe it or not, even now, after 12 games played in the Big Ten, Ohio State is second, scoring 103.9 points, or I'm sorry, 103.5 points per 100 possessions. That is second best in the Big Ten in conference play only. So when you're watching Ohio State right now, it's a different paradigm because your eyes are not taking into account when you see Ohio State's offensive production. By the way, in terms of raw points, Ohio State's offense is worse right now than it was earlier in the season, but you're not taking into account the physical play that the Big Ten is really, really good, that the defenses Ohio State is facing every single night is so much better than what they were playing out of conference, okay? You're not taking into account those things. The analytics are. They take that into account. But even without adjusting for competition, Ohio State is the second best in the Big Ten only. Big Ten games, out of 12 Big Ten games, Ohio State is the second best in points per possession. They are the ninth best offense or defense right now. They are not stopping teams like they were earlier in the season. 
And this Wisconsin game is another example. Everybody is so focused on what the offense is doing or not doing. It's actually the defense that needs to be more consistent and get back to stopping dribble penetration so they don't have to rely on secondary help. And so teams do not kick the ball out for open three-pointers. That is where Ohio State is killing itself more than anything. I think the turnovers uh, the turnovers are right there too, although Ohio State wound up only with 13 tor- turnovers, which isn't great because uh, it was a low-possession game. But the turnovers have got to be cut down more consistently. They were showing signs of it the last couple games, but they can continue can continue to get better. But it, it's a physical, it's a very physical Big Ten right now. And Ohio State just has to keep battling through it, battling through it, and battling through it. And I think what you're going to see with the Big Ten is a lot of teams are going to get into the NCAA tournament, probably 11 or 12. And I think the Big Ten is going to be better off in the NCAA tournament because it's been so physical throughout the year. We're seeing a lack of freedom of movement in college basketball. Back in 2015, when they changed the rules and, and points of emphasis, it was to allow more freedom of movement in basketball. And the teams in the Big Ten right now that are that are being benefited most from the officiating are the teams like Wisconsin, Illinois, Minnesota to a lesser extent, Maryland. The motion offenses in the Big Ten are, are a little bit better because there's no freedom of movement, but dribble penetration especially, there's a lot more hand-checking and physical clutching and grabbing going on, and it's stopping teams from getting to the rim as much on the dribble penetration, whereas if you're off the ball, you're having a little bit more success cutting away from the ball than maybe on the ball defense right now. So Ohio State is being hurt because its offense is predicated on the dribble penetration. It's so physical within the league right now. That is contributing to the turnovers, the sloppy play, the inability to finish at the rim, which, by the way, is bad for Ohio State. It's not just physical play. Ohio State is not finishing at the rim very well. That is a major weakness of this offense. I'm not saying Ohio State doesn't have weaknesses on the offense. They do. I'm just telling you that the competition, the physicality, the lack of uh, fouls called because of the physicality with the fouling, and the you know just the grind of the Big Ten right now with facing NCAA tournament teams on almost a nightly basis, it is making it look worse. And when you look at the analytics, Ohio State is right there with everybody else in the Big Ten. They're second right now in conference games only in points per 100 possessions. So I'm telling you this, two things. Ohio State is fine, okay? It is, they're they're out of the shooting slump. It's not so much that, but it's the offensive continuity is only going to get better when they get out of this league, okay? The grind is there, but they have a, a beneficial schedule coming up where they have um, several home games remaining to close out the year. They only go on the road a few more times. I believe three three more road games left and five home games. So they have a beneficial schedule. They play Rutgers and Purdue coming up this next week. These are teams that have not played all that well away from home. So Ohio State has a chance now to get hot and, and finish their schedule in style, get some more quality wins, and, and get going into the NCAA tournament. And I think that they will, like every other Big Ten team, when they get out of the conference and into the NCAA tournament, where the games are called a little tighter, there's going to be less physicality, more wide open, wide open styles, where you're not playing as physical, tough 
defense every night in the NCAA tournament. I think the Big Ten has a chance to send a lot of teams into the second weekend of the tournament because they're going to get away from that physical play. And I think this league is just really, really good. So Ohio State basketball, to kind of sum it up, the offense is fine. I know it doesn't look like it. I know you're seeing these low-scoring games, and it looks ugly. But I'm telling you, consider all of these things because I'm telling you the analytics say this offense is fine as long as they can continue to defend and get back to stopping dribble penetration. If they do that and cut down on the turnovers, this team is fine. The analytics aren't being Buckeye homers here. I'm telling you what the numbers are saying. I've been following this for a long, long time. I've been diving into the numbers for pretty much all my life, but analytics, especially for the last 10 years. And I'm telling you, I'm, I've seen it up close and personal with somebody that does this for a living. And I, I know what Vegas thinks. Okay. I'm trying to think like the handicappers in Vegas think because they built all those, you know, multi-million dollar, billion dollar casinos for a reason, because they're good at what they do. They dive into the numbers and they don't let emotion come in. That's what this is about. You have to set, set the emotion aside dive into what the numbers are telling you. And I'm telling you what they're telling me. Ohio State is okay. It may not look like it every night out, but don't watch this with emotion. Separate the emotion. Only look at the facts. Look at the statistics. Look at what the trends are telling you. And I'm telling you Ohio State is okay. Not that they're playing great every single night. Not that there's not room for improvement. I'm just saying... As long as Ohio State's defense can get back to defending like they were early in the year, then Ohio State will be okay. The NCAA tournament is coming up. The Big Ten, once it gets away from this bloodbath of killing each other in the conference, this is an amazing conference. Once it gets out of that and away from each other, it's going to be so much better for everybody involved. That's what I think. Sorry for the long way around, but I'm telling you, there is a rhyme or reason to, to my perspective here. I know it's, it's not just me telling you everything is okay. I'm not Baghdad Bob here trying to soothe the masses. The Buckeye homers out there, we're not rallying together to say, oh, you know, there's nothing to see here. Everything is fine. It's not that. It, it has nothing to do with that. I, I see what you're seeing. I'm watching what you're watching. But there's a rhyme and reason to my perspective here, and I'm telling you what the numbers are saying. It's not as bad as it looks. As long as they defend, the defense has got to get a little better. But the offense is okay. It re- I know it does. Believe me, it, it may not seem like it, may not feel like it, but it's okay. Coming up, the XFL is here. We're going to talk about that, especially the Buckeye star Cardell Jones. A few interesting thoughts I had about the XFL games over the weekend. We'll talk about that next. I'm dubbing this the year of the Buckeye quarterback in our nation's capital. In 2020, the Ohio State quarterbacks are taking over D.C. Dwayne Haskins, I've said this before, going to have a great year in my opinion. His sophomore year, I think he's taken the next step. He already showed flashes of really picking it up down the stretch before his injury for the Redskins. Terry McLaurin, of course, having a great rookie year. I think Haskins and McLaurin together are going to thrive under Ron Rivera coming up here in 2020. But the XFL got kicked off this weekend, and the D.C. Defenders quarterback, Cardell Jones, or as our friend Gus Johnson would say, Cardell Jones, I thought he had just a tremendous performance. 300-plus yards passing, 
almost certainly will be XFL Player of the Week in week number one. XFL 2.0, I guess we could more appropriately call it. I was really impressed with what I saw. And looking beyond Cardell Jones, who looked fantastic throwing the ball for DC this weekend, I was very skeptical about the XFL rules coming in. I thought they sounded gimmicky. I publicly criticized them on Twitter when I heard some of the rules being announced. I was a a guy that really was not sure what to think about these rules. I I really wasn't. But after seeing the league in the first four games this past weekend, uh, consider my interest picked. Because I got to tell you, it was a very fan-friendly experience in the first weekend. I thought that the openness and transparency with having mics on the head coaches and the quarterbacks and the defensive signal callers and the coordinators, and most importantly, the booth reviews, like even the replay officials had mics as well as the head refs. So you could hear all the interactions and the discussions going on as they were reviewing plays And it was just a really fresh, uh, great experience for the fans. I thought it provided an added layer of excitement. Uh, You know, I could do without the interviews, interviewing players right out uh, as they come off the field. That was hit or miss for me. It didn't do much for me personally. I think it's kind of cool being interviewed right after a play as you come off the field. But honestly, I could do without it. It, it. It's not that I'm against it. I just didn't care one way or the other. But I thought overall it was a great experience and the rules really make for an entertaining game. I thought it would be gimmicky, but it didn't feel that way. It, you know, between the kickoff, adding more safety, but yet making kickoffs more interesting because there are so few of them now with so many touchbacks and guys just fair catching, this eliminated a lot of that. So the kickoffs were more interesting. They're incentivizing, incentivizing teams not to punt with the punt rules having touchbacks come back to the 35. And even if the ball goes out of bounds, let's say at the 10 yard line, it still results in a touchback at the 35. So that makes things more interesting. Okay. It really de-incentivizes the need to punt. It makes teams want to go for it more. And then of course you don't have, you know, extra points. You have the ability to go for one yard or a one pointer, a two pointer or a three pointer on the conversions. I thought that makes it really interesting. And then the lack of, uh, or the clock stopping after each play inside of two minutes, that makes it more interesting too, because you don't have to use timeouts. You don't have to, you're not able to run the clock down. I thought the XFL really hit a home run in this first weekend. We'll see how it continues to go. Maybe some of these rules will grow on us more. Maybe some of them will get annoying over time. But if I had to guess, I think the XFL is going to be very influential because I think some of these rules are going to become very, very popular among football fans. And I think the NFL is going to want to incorporate them, maybe even college football, who knows. But I I give two thumbs up for XFL 2.0 week one because I think they got a lot of these rule changes right. They make the game more interesting at the end. There's more strategy. It looked like it could have been gimmicky a couple months ago, and I thought it would. But after watching the first four sets of games here this, over the weekend, right now I'm thinking, hey, they might be onto something. The kickoff and punt rules I think are great. But as I said, the rolling clock, no extra points. 
These are all things that I could live with. I didn't think I would be saying that. So XFL 2.0 is here. One week in the books. Cardell Jones, your XFL MVP for 2020. I'm calling it now. Dwayne Haskins, not going to be NFL MVP, but I think he's going to have a great year. Two Buckeye quarterbacks, XFL, NFL, in D.C. Should be a lot of fun to watch. I'm looking forward to it. As I said, I'll get more time. I don't want to rush to conclusion after four games, but I like what I saw out of the XFL week number one. That's going to do it for the Locked On Buckeyes podcast today. We'll talk more Ohio State basketball and football coming up this week. Ryan Day, does he got it figured out? I think he does. We're going to look, dive more into the numbers and see where he can improve, where they can improve this week. Uh, all coming up here on Locked On Buckeyes. Make sure you tell a friend or family member about the show, anybody that wants to listen to the Buckeyes up to five days a week. We are on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. Give us a follow on Apple or iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and many other third-party platforms. Follow us on Twitter at Locked on Buckeye or follow me at KYLAM8. You can follow your own business more closely by sponsoring the Locked on Buckeyes podcast. Text advertising to 33777 or simply go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising to find out more information how you can support the show and we can support your growth as well. That's going to do it for Lockdown Buckeyes. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great day.